Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the studios at Silver Ranch in the Northwoods of Wisconsin, which is also the campus of Nicolay Bible Institute. And we have another ministry just down the road from here called the Wolf River Refuge. All of them are great opportunities for you to come and get away from the craziness of life and connect with God. Um, and that's our hope, whether you're a college student and you want to get away for a year and develop a solid biblical foundation, you know, MBI, Nicolay Bible Institute, is a yep. great option for that. Or if you're just in the business of everyday life, whether you're part of a small group, life group, you know, whatever it is, you can go to our Wolf River Refuge, which is a nice kind of diamond in the rough, as I call it, smaller setting where you can just bring that entire group up and do life for a weekend. Or if you just want to come up to camp, like many of you have, for one of our various retreats, men's retreats, ladies' retreats, father-son, father-daughter, uh, mother-daughter, any of that sort of stuff, uh, we'd love to have you. So head over to silverbridgeranch.org and you can check out all of those ministries. Um, whether it's at Silbridge Ranch or you scroll down to the bottom and you click on the links for Nicolay Bible Institute or the Wolf River Refuge. But we're here um, pretty much all the time to do that, to be a place where you can get away and put aside the busyness of life and connect with God because we want to come alongside of you to make sure that you understand the value and the importance of your relationship with God and how it should impact your everyday life um, going forward. And so we, we have fun doing it. Absolutely. In the midst of God's creation. Right now it's the... We just hit peak fall, I would say, last week, where all the colors burst. We're still in fall, and if you were to come up, you'd be like, what are you talking about? It's still fall. It's like, well, yes, but you miss the, the deep purples and the reds, um, and the leaves are starting to plummet to the ground. You know, it's hanging rain, on but. a little longer than it seemed in the past for some reason to uh, me. But The whole process, I feel like, this year has been elongated, and I feel yeah. like the colors have been the best colors I've ever they seen. They have, yeah. In fact, if you go down our road a little bit, there's a lot of oak trees. Normally... They go really dull, purplish red, and then brown. Yeah. Well, they're they're redder this year, and they're slower in turning, and they actually hang on sometimes to midwinter. Yeah. On there, so that might be interesting to watch this happen. I don't know what happened, but it's a little little brighter, a little bit. They're hanging on a little bit longer, so I'm all go- I'm good with that. Yeah. No, it's good. Because after that, there's a little spell where there's nothing, and then we get snow. Yeah, I call it death. Yeah, it's just death like, in the hey, North wait Woods. a minute. There's nothing on the trees. Everything's barren. It's gray, gloomy, dreary, and wet. But there's always a positive. There's always a positive. You can see the deer better for deer hunting. Ish. They blend in. No, no, no. Right now, with all the leaves and everything, they they blend in pretty good. That's true. But even after that, when everything's like that grayish, dull. Yeah. I mean, it totally matches with a deer hide. Yeah, well, I can see them better. Unless you get that nice one inch of snow. Yeah, that's awesome. That makes nice. them pop. That yeah, certainly does. And, of course, there are some deer hunters up in our area, and that's uh, that's probably a good thing for many listening. That's right. However, I you know, I was thinking confusion in our world. It, we live in such a confusing time. Oh, and it gets more confusing by the yeah, day. Yeah, and confusion has um, a fruit to it. Yeah. And that's your brain shuts down. Right. I mean, after a while, confusion is like, forget it. I'm not thinking that anymore. I'm leaving. Yeah. And uh, I've done that even, you know, I have projects going around my house. And today I'm back in the office. And for three days I've been tearing up carpet, tearing up flooring, painting. And I said, I'm leaving it. I got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, why? Because it's not settled. Yeah. And I feel better in a settled place for a little bit. Then I'll go back and work on it some more. But unsettledness is not something that we're supposed to be a part of, really. Right. So when you look at how God created things, he created things very specifically. He created man, created women, created earth. You know, he created frogs. He created fish. They're, they're all very individual, very interesting. 
They all have characteristics about them that are just the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. And and we would be wise to just enjoy those characteristics. Yeah. Now, when we start adding and subtracting, like, okay, uh, what is man? What is woman? What is anything else? We get confused in life. And before you know it, you got this whole booklet of things that are describing things that used to be, like, well-known to everybody. Yeah. But now there's all these variables. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you have a tax code on everything, and the tax code is like 400 gazillion pages oh, man. of really hard-to-understand language. Right. Nobody should ever complain about the Bible being hard to understand, by the way, if you've ever read the tax code. Oh, or anything government. Yeah, so so the government makes the Bible look like, um, you know, Aesop's fable kind of reading, where, where it, now, I shouldn't use Aesop's fables, but the, the, the easy reading for children almost if you start looking at government documents, so... Well, and I don't know why they don't mind. I don't know if you've read like an official document, like even in like whatever. It's like, whereas, yada, yada, right, yada, right. yada, whereas. And it's just like, who talks like that? Yeah. Like, where, so, like what are you talking so about? So burn the whole tax code and start yeah. from scratch with three sentences that make sense. Yeah. And, and maybe the rest of us normal people can follow it. And the reason we're not reading the tax code and we don't know the tax code is because of its complexity. Right. Not its simplicity. If it were simple, that'd be another thing. When I grew up, you probably heard this too, that ignorance of the law is no excuse. So if you break a law and you didn't know you broke it, that's no excuse. You can still go to jail for it. Right. Or you still get a ticket for it. If, I, I learned it in driver's ed. You know, I mean, <laughs> you, 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 just because- Well, I didn't know the speed limit was 35. Yeah. Well, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so ignorance of the law is no excuse. So you yeah. still get your- ticket for going 55 in a 35 mile an hour zone whatever it might be yeah so when i look at i go okay so what we've done is we create a tax code that nobody will read and in that tax code then nobody can say i didn't know because it's all written in four gazillion pages with big words that don't make any sense and nobody can follow it anyway yeah we wrote a code for only those lawyers and people who speak that language can know it and tell us what we're actually reading that doesn't make any sense. No. I am so thankful for God's word. There is a version out there that you can read. It, it, you know, the, the Bible The Bible was not written in English. No kidding. No, it wasn't. And some of our listeners may not know that. That's they may, true. They may pick up a Bible and think, why do we have all these verg- versions? Okay, why do we have them all? Well, because through time we've changed how we speak. Yeah. Uh, the New Testament was basically written in Greek, the Old Testament basically in Hebrew. And so what we're looking at is we're looking at something that was translated into English. Right. And some of the old English, King James Version, okay, that that's pretty old stuff. That's where the these and thous and stuff like that is. Yes, whither to henceforth. Yeah, those things. Yeah. Now, if you're really into that kind of old English, great for you. You can read it, enjoy it. But there are new versions out there that you can read and that make sense and that you should be reading. Yeah. And I would encourage you to find a Bible, a, a version you can read and read it. Yes. And enjoy reading it. Um, I, whenever a student asks me which one is best, I say, which one will you read? Yeah. Which one do you want to read? Yeah. Because, you know, basically the major Bible producers are going to get it right. Now, if you're getting off into some strange you know, translation, that, that's something else. But the ESV, King James, which is the one I spoke of, you can still read it if you like that kind of language. There's there's ASV, which is uh, American Standard Version, and, and um, 
ESV, which is one of my favorites. There's an NIV, mm-hmm. New International Version, which you can read. There's there's modern versions that yeah. are out there, new new translations that make it sense in our language. Um, so I would encourage you get the Bible and read it. It's not hard to understand if you get a version that you can understand. Right. Okay. It's not like the tax code. They're not updating the tax code in simple language, but they've updated the Bible because the Bible's far more important than the tax code. Mm. And if they ever get the tax code thing right, they would basically burn it <laughs> and, and go back and say, let's just take, you know, 10% of everyone's income or something and we're done with it. Now, now everyone knows what it means. That's right. I need the message version of the tax code. Yeah. You need the message version, please. And, and probably that's not going to work. You're going to end up in jail. That's somewhere. right. That's right. <laughs> Cause I, I did call years ago when I did taxes, my wife does them. Now I did talk to an IRS agent and just say, you know, when you write it so I can read it, I'll do it. Right. And they just said, what? I said, yeah, I have a master's in education and I can't read what you wrote. Yeah. I mean, what do you mean by all this? And it was like, well, that's not our problem. Whose problem is it? I am a citizen of the United States trying to pay taxes. That's Whose right. problem is it that I can't read this even though I have a master's in education and I know how to read and I know what big words are and I understand all that and I still can't understand what you just said. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. I've never found that in the Bible, though. So if you are finding that, please pick up a Bible that makes sense to you because that is kept up with the times far better than the tax code. I agree. Now, speaking of those who the world looks at and says, these people are smart, we uh, we have some. Warren Buffett is one of those that people look at and say, here's a guy that seems to know what he's talking about. I'm not sure why they say that. He's got a lot of money, makes good investments. Sure. Has been, I guess, somewhat successful according to people's definition of success in life. Yep. What I'd like to do is read something to you that he wrote. Okay. And basically ask you if it's biblical or not, if this makes sense or not, if this is something. Because I found that all truth no matter where the truth comes from, there's truth that can be verified in the Bible, mm-hmm. you know? And, and as we go back to that, it's kind of like, should I discipline myself and uh, not spend all my money on myself? Mm. You know, should I, yes, you, you should discipline yourself. I can go to the Bible and show you that you should, and that you, the money that you have should be used to take care of your family, certainly to take care of others around you that are needy. I can show you what the Bible says, it's pretty simple stuff. Yeah. So it, it, someone who's not a Christian or doesn't read the Bible can come to that same conclusion because it's true just by observing. Yeah. You know, you should take some money that you make if you make more than you need and help widows and orphans. Anybody, whether they be a Christian or not, could look at that and go, well, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're helping people who are needy. Okay. So since it makes sense, you know, the Bible actually says it as well and, and backs up that. So even though someone who's not a believer might say something, it doesn't mean it's all wrong because they might have discovered something that's true that the Bible says is true as well. Mm-hmm. So Warren Buffett might have said some things, but he said life really comes down to four simple words. Okay. Four simple words that we need to understand and apply in our life. Let's see how simple they are. Yeah. Let me let me see. Now, as I read these, I don't see four simple words. I see four statements. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out what the simple words. I'm sure he's got to boil down to simple words. So I'm Somewhere. trying to figure out what he's trying to say. Um, wow, it's so simple. He's leaving you speechless. I know. Right? Yeah. But here, 
Happiness lesson in four words. The biggest lesson on happiness from Buffett's speech stands the test of time is especially appropriate age of quiet quitting. Do what you love, he says. I get to work in a job that I love, but I've always worked at a job that I've, I loved. I loved it just as much when I thought it was a big deal to make $1,000. I urge you to work in jobs that you love. I think you're out of your mind if you keep taking jobs that you don't like because you think it'll look good on your resume. Hmm. So, so, so are those the four words? Do no, you love? they aren't. That's the introduction. Oh, that's I have no idea what the four words are yet. I'm getting to them. No, oh. but, but, I, but I do see a number one here. So this would be number one. I just don't see it as a single word. So let me read it to you. Yep. His first one, you're aligned with doing the things you care about. That must be the word love or something yeah. that you love to do. Do what now, you care about, do what you love. Now, I, I, you know, this idea of love gets diminished all the time because the Bible makes everything about love. Yeah. So you can say, I love my job. I love my pizza. You know, I love my horse. And I love my wife. Now, do, does right. that all fit? Well, I, I blame your generation for confusing. I mean, you guys are, what is love? Uh, you know. Who sang that? I don't know. You tell me. That I was don't, your I generation. don't know either. Because you know, so you guys were questioning love. Was that a really good rendition time. or a really bad one? I was actually hoping you would perfect it. Yeah, I, yeah I don't know. <laughs> Since I don't even know who sang it. But, I mean, you're right. You know, we, we use, we over, well, there's a lot of terms in everyday life we overuse. But love, I would say, is one of them. Um, where it's just like, oh, I love pizza, I love you, Dave, and I love my wife. It's yeah. like, well, all three of those are very different meanings. They really are. And what's good about reading the Bible again is the Bible helps us understand that to a certain degree. Yeah. Those Bibles, the modern translations, though, still use the word love, even though the original translation really had three basic three di- basic yeah. words for it. Yep. So it's, it's the, it would be different if you read it in the original a little bit. Yeah. However, the idea of love, it's different for pizza. It's different. If I say get a job you love, what am I talking about? I would say you're talking about get a job that you enjoy doing. Okay. Is what I would, that's how I would interpret, you know, what you're talking about. Like, and we kind of, I would say, here's, here's my interpretation of that. You know, we've talked about it on the show. It's like, you haven't worked a day in your life. Right. Why? Because you love your job. Right. So you love it so much that it's really not a job to you. Right. It's just what you enjoy doing. Right. You know, and so that's when you say do something you love, that's how I interpret it. Right. But I don't know if that's that's the standard out well, there. Well, I think it, I'm not sure Warren Buffett's interpreting it that way, but I would agree. Yeah. I, I think those that know God realize that God made them with a very special mind frame. In other words, we all think differently. Yeah. And you could look at that and, and see that everybody thinks differently. If I'm supposed to be somebody that's involved at Silver Birch Ranch or I'm supposed to be somebody involved in a mission work in Paraguay or you were in missions in Northern Ir- Ireland, Nor- Northern Ireland. So if I'm supposed to do that, yeah, should money stop me? No. See, I think that's what Warren Buffett that's, is saying. Right. That's the dilemma, right? You know, there, there's something out there that's really burning at your heart that you should do. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Is it wrong to be poor? No. So it's not a sin to be poor. Mm-mm. So if somebody's listening to us today and they're poor and they feel poorly, <laughs> right? they feel badly about being poor, that's not right. Right. You can go serve people. You can do a job that doesn't pay you great amounts of money and be totally fulfilled in life. Mm-hmm. So, so what you do is you look for the way God made you and bent you. The Bible tells us that while you were in your mother's womb, he created you. 
He knit you together is the word that's being used in there. And therefore, he made you a certain way. There are people that, that look at art and, you know, different pieces of artwork, and they're, they're amazed at it. People listen to music, and they hear things. We had people that used to come to camp that could play the piano that couldn't read music at all, but if they you just hum it, all of a sudden they're playing like Beethoven or something. I mean, unbelievable at the piano. Yeah. And you sit there and you look at them and go, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. I have no idea how you just did that. Right. Well, that's their thing. Right. And maybe they should get into it since they're gifted at that and it comes easy. And, you know, some people do sports and they're, they're freaky sports-wise. Yep. Some are, are writers and some are, are just laborers. There are people that love to just serve other mm-hmm. people. Uh, my mom used to love serving people out of the kitchen at Silver Birch Ranch, just mm. serving them. Yeah. She didn't like the cooking part. Right. <laughs> no, she didn't. She just loved serving them, though. Right. So she would always fall back on making chocolate chip cookies so anyone that came through, she could give them a cookie. She didn't say they were in the back anywhere. She would hand you one. She would look at you and go, come here, I got a cookie for you. One of those things yeah. where she enjoyed doing that. And you could see it in her face. You could see the flower all over her in the... Yeah, I mean, it, it, she just loved serving in that way. You couldn't pay her to do that job. Yeah. Because she would do it without any money. She would do it for $4 billion a month, whatever it is. It, it wouldn't matter. Right. And and that's the kind of thing I think he's talking about. Align yourself with doing things you care about. Let me read what, what they say about it. It said, when you do what you love, you create alignment between your work, your values, and the things that bring you purpose. And you can't have purpose without passion, which comes from the desire to make change a difference for your customers, your business, or even the world. Teams that show up to work with passion and zest for what they do prioritize quality excellence in their work. They feel more connected to the work they're doing and correlates directly to how your customer feels about products or service. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, when you look at what the Bible teaches, we are here to serve one another. And we have different skills and abilities to do that. As we do it, we're fulfilled in life. Mm-hmm. And everybody wants to feel fulfilled. Yeah. You know, um, everybody in the world, there's, there's certain things that everybody strives for, and I've said it before, but one of the things that everybody strives for is significance. Yeah. And, and how you find significance isn't with money, mm-hmm. but by serving people and understanding that that service actually matters. Yeah. Um, and the second thing everyone looks for is that it can never be taken away, security. They want to know that they are significant, that their life mattered, and that you can't take what matters away from them. Mm-hmm. So right away, you got to figure, okay, if you took all my money away from me, would I lose my value, my significance? Mm-hmm. The answer is no. Right. So what is it that gives me my significance? Once again, that's why we want people to turn back to the Bible, mm-hmm. because the scriptures teach us that God, the creator and sustainer of all life, gave you your significance by knitting you while you were in your mother's womb. Yeah. You can't take that away from me. So if I'm not a talented builder, I'm not a talented artist, I'm not a talented fill in the blank, that doesn't take anything away from my significance. I look at what God put me on this planet to do and I begin to do that. And in that, I find my significance. And since God gave it to me, it's secure. You can never take it away. Mm-hmm. Now, those that aren't in God's family, if you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can't say that. Right. Because you've got to align yourself with your house and your boat and your 
whatever. And hopefully don't live in a hurricane zone because that can take it away. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we had um, we had some storms come through our place, and really through it all, you learn again what's significant. My wife has gone through cancer this year, and again, you learn what's significant. Yeah. You know, there, there are things that totally don't matter. Right. Um, if you're a young person listening, I suggest you find the way God wired you. Forget about how much you will get paid. Head that direction and start doing that every day yeah. and fulfill your passion. I would agree. I would agree. Otherwise, you know, a lot of, especially young people, I mean, it's, it's more than just young people, but I see it a lot of people, even my age, and I'm, what, 37 now. Yeah. Um, and they're still not doing what they want to do. Yeah. Because they feel like they need to get themselves either financially set before they could do what they do or in a position where, and I'm just like, why? Yeah. Like, why can't you just trust, you know, and, and, and just, know that God's going to provide. And, and maybe it's because I've been in a situation where I've seen God do that, you know, right. not only here at camp, but even in my own life. And the the problem is, is that within our current culture, there's always the temptation to look on the other side of the fence in the different circumstances that people have. And so you look over the fence, it's like, oh, they got that. They have that. I want that. Right. You know, or man, they can afford all that. I can't. Right. Well, why can't I, you know, and I'm, you know, and I, Maybe it's something you got to wrestle through, but, you know, God's put each of us in a situation where he's gifted us and given us a passion to do something. Yeah. Um, and so I, I would question you, what are those things that are keeping you from doing it? And are they valid reasons, yeah. you know, from keeping you from doing it? Because God created you to enjoy what you do. Um, not only that, but I'm sure that in some regard, what what you do, you know, there's probably some relational aspect involved in that. Yeah. Well, so let's th- let's think that through. You have you have three boys. Yeah. As they get older, and you know, how do you train them? Um, you know, I'll give you an example. When I started, when I applied to work, my first real full time job was going to be a teacher, and I was being interviewed, and they offered me the position right on the spot. And after I interviewed, I said, "Okay, I'll take it," and I signed the paperwork. And he goes, "Well, don't you want to know the salary?" Hmm. I said, "Well, okay." Right. I mean, that was like a byproduct for me. Here's what I knew. Right. I was going to be a teacher. Right. Now I had to choose what school, who wanted me, what grade level, that kind of thing. That's what was important to me. Right. The salary? Oh, yeah, you're going to throw that in too, aren't you? And I thought, well, whatever it is, what I was taught is you manage it. Right. So whatever it is, you manage what you get and you go forward. But it wasn't the salary that drew me into teaching. Right. I didn't even know what the salaries were. So I, f- I find it interesting as your boys are growing up in your home, how do you train them that the passion for their heart, the, the passion that God puts in them, the skills that he creates them with, how, how do you train them so that that's more important than the money they get paid? Yeah. I think, it, I think it's just even in the, in the simple values that you teach subconsciously, like I even think of the way that I grew up and at a young age, um, I knew that I wanted to do youth ministry. You know, part of it was the culture I grew up in. Sure. You know, and, and the idea of service. And so, but I mean, by middle school, you know, in junior high, I was already involved in helping younger youth groups. I was highly involved in my own youth group. So then by the time I got to high school, I was doing the same thing. You know, I was still involved in ministry and I, even to the point of being able to want to start my own Bible study with my own peers. 
And so every family does things differently, you know, especially when it comes to finances. Some people do, some families decide to do um, allowances. Some people say, all right, now you're 15, 16, you got to go get a job, you know. And I appreciate what my parents did is they say, they, they, they made it a point whether they realize it or not. They said, we understand that you're involved in the things you're involved in, you know, whether it was youth group or, or all that sort of stuff. They're like, as long as you continue to do well in school, and you do well with those things. We're not going to force you to get a job. Right. And for me, that was huge, you know, and, and some people might look at that differently, like saying, oh, they didn't teach. It's like, man, that taught me a lot. Why? Because then I worked even harder. Um, and I wasn't, you know, sure, I wasn't getting money, you know, and so I didn't have to pay my own car insurance. And like I said, everybody's circumstances are different. But that stuck with me to this day. Um, and I would say I, I'm. you know, I was able to learn from that. And am I responsible with finances? Yeah. You know, do I, but all that, because they saw that I cared about something and I was, had a passion for something and they didn't want, they wanted to communicate to me. And like I said, I don't know if they did this intentionally or not, but they wanted me to see the significance of, okay, we want to help you do that. Right. Well, you know, it's very interesting because again, as I look at, you know, me and, and growing up, I was exposed to so many things. I was exposed to church work, to education, to just manual labor because my dad would start camps and I'd be up here just digging ditches or cleaning the manure or whatever it might be. Eventually, I kept funneling to something. Right. In other, in other words, they, there kept being things. And what my dad saw that I had a real heart for was the overall. I mean, just I would I would go do whatever was necessary. I'd go do, I'd be a lifeguard. I'd be I'd run the stables. I, I would go run the maintenance if I needed to. I'd run program. I'd drive a bus if I needed to. Yeah. And and for him, that was more like, okay, you've got this personality where you'll do whatever it takes right? You know, to get it done. And it's not like you have to lock into one thing. And I found out that I wasn't really an expert at any one of those things. Right. But that didn't stop me from doing all of those things. Yeah. Now, so it's it's kind of interesting as you go through. I think the exposure, I think if I had three boys in my family right now growing up, I would want to expose them to all kinds of things so I could watch them. Right. And try and identify. Eventually, my dad told me, I think you're a teacher. Mm-hmm. Why? Because every time you're talking with young kids, you're teaching them something. Yeah. Now, if you were to watch my wife around any young kids, she is always teaching them something. Yeah. Those are the, the characteristics of a teacher you don't teach. Those, right. those are just that's Absolutely. in their heart yeah they would rather teach you know when when i see something in a in a magazine or online i go oh you know i'll tell my wife you should use this for when you're teaching that person you should use this why two teachers in the same household are thinking boy this would be a good thing next year during junior camp we should teach this we should use this we should yeah all of a sudden that's a natural discussion about something you don't even get paid for yeah you know and so that's beginning to indicate with your sons or anyone in, in that way, it begins to indicate here's what they're interested in. Yeah. And and this is what we want to cultivate then and get them going, whether it makes money or not. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad supported me. I came up to camp, worked for nothing for all those years. And it was, you know, same thing. You're, if you serve, you're going to do what you do. Tell me when you need something. We'll see if we can work it out. If not, I'll tell you, I don't have any money and you can't get it anyway. And it never became a big deal. Right. Because we were satisfied with what we were doing. Right. And I think that that's even part of it is that sometimes we're, we're afraid to let people know that if we're pursuing what that we think we're gifted for, we, we can't ask for help. Right. You know, but somehow 
that's even what God allows us to do. That's part of being in the family of God. But unfortunately, we're, we're running out of time like we usually do, but we're going to have to continue this discussion on our next episode. I encourage you to continue in that, on the conversation with us. Feel free to head over to silverbirdtranch.org where you can um, kind of tune into the, the podcast that we do or even go to your favorite podcasting site. That way you can continue in the discussion or listen to other discussions that we've had along the way. But for now and today, this is Jason and Dave on Younger and Older. Take care. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.